Welcome, everybody, to the Monster Baby Podcast. Hey, I'm Ted DeMaison. And I'm Lisa Rowland. It is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. Yeah, and this episode is one of our few, the next in our in our short series of guest episodes. We've only had a few guests on the podcast, but this is one of them. And not only do we have one guest, we've got two. We've got double duty guest time. We're going four people on the podcast. The people on this podcast are... Angelo, Angelo John, John Lewis, Lewis and Cindy, Cindy Franklin, Franklin, Franklin. <laughs> who are who are co-leading a retreat called Yes to Life with Ted in March. Mm-hmm. The Improvisation and Spirituality Weekend. Yeah, and so it's all it's an it's all an exploration of improvisation and spirituality. Spirituality, more than just mindfulness, but really diving into what what that experience is like, and we get into a conversation which I think is kind of cool in this episode about the experience of spirituality. Really cool. And uh, they both come from diverse backgrounds and a lot to offer. And the episode, surely, I will say this up front, is an invitation for people who might want to come on the retreat. But even if you have no interest in coming on the retreat, I think the conversation was really valuable and provocative really nice. and interesting. So yeah, hope really that you nice. enjoy it. Exploring why, why the two are happy uh, bedfellows, as it were. So yeah, so we hope you like it. It's it's a fun it's a fun exploration with folks who have a different background than certainly I do. Yeah, which is nice. Great. Well, it was good fun. Great to have other people along for the ride, and glad you're with us for the ride. So yeah, thanks enjoy. for listening. As always, hope you enjoy it. So here's so here's my question. I have not had the pleasure of meeting the two of you in person or working with you. So all I know is that you have a that you're going to be collaborating with Ted next month or in March on a improv and spirituality retreat. But I would love to learn a little bit more about you, just in terms of like if you were to if yeah. Who the heck are you? Tell us about yourselves. Yeah. <clears throat> Cindy, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a gentleman and let you go first. Oh. <laughs> so cordial. Yes, I was going to just do the same, but you beat me to the draw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am. Uh, so, so I was just thinking before starting this is, I have so many like things that I say this thing in this context and this thing in another, and yeah. I have a Tibetan. Um, a teacher that I'm studying with right now. And he's been talking about how when he's in Korea, he, he shares the teachings in this way. And then in America, mm. he shares it in this way. Then he goes to Google and he explains things. And I'm like, okay, well, he does that too. Uh, so on one level, I do executive coaching now. I, I do it with these colleagues. So I think they're amazing, amazing clients, fantastic people. And in that context, uh, I do things that are, that I explain in more psychological language and, uh, you know, organizational development type stuff. So, mm-hmm. so in that context, I would talk about self-talk and mind sight and those things. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at going into the deeper levels to redesign the mindset, which create, which underpins the behaviors, which underpins your effectiveness or not. So that's one one part of me. Cool. Another part is I was in a, I had a 
Kundalini awakening experience at the age of 23 from a great master of meditation, Indian master of meditation. And I lived for 16 years in his ashram and I did many different roles there from uh, cutting the grass on my hands and my knees with scissors to lobbying Congress to make adjustments in the religious visa laws to traveling around wow. meditation to typing up things, uh, just so many different things. Um, that was an amazing and a deep and a profound experience. And the main thing, it, or it, one of the many beautiful things it left me with was a way of feeling spiritual energy in my body. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my spirituality is pre-verbal, I think, because of that. Yeah. Because that served me in different contexts when I'm with different traditions and different teachers I feel them in my body and I see, do I feel more expansive, more peaceful, more full of love? Do I have forgiveness when I think of the things I can't forgive when I'm in their space and can I carry that forward? Mm -hmm. And if I do, I'm like, this is an energetic I wanna be influenced by. It helps me connect to that deeper part of myself. So mm -hmm. some of the people in communities I've engaged with that way are Peruvian shamans, Lakota shaman, uh and tibetan teachers uh as well as and so i've been interested in those kinds of cultures and traditions and how they tap into this deeper i almost think of it as an underground stream inside of all of us mm. ground of all of us and penetrating all of us which is this beautiful spiritual dimension of reality which includes interdependence and love wow. and those great things. You have some range. Like, <laughs> I love the, the uh, you know, sort of executive coaching kind of regular world, like, okay, we're working on improving ourselves. And, and then the image of you cutting grass on your hands and knees and then having this spiritual river that's flowing uh, deep in the well underneath all of us, like, wow. That's really cool. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, I feel so, so provincial when I talk to Cindy because she's uh, <laughs> dealing with Tibetan sh shamans and India and all this sort of stuff. You know, I'm just a guy from Germantown, Philadelphia. <laughs> but so, so welcome, Cindy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So, so Angela, what's your what's your what's my what's my deal? I'm going to give you a different type of, type of answer, which is like surface and maybe semi deep. Anyway. And that's about how Cindy and I met. Cool. <clears throat> um, I used to do a lot of diversity training stuff back in the day, like talking 80s. And um, I uh, heard this voice in my head that said spirituality and uh, diversity. Hmm. And I articulated that to Cindy at a conference that I was giving a workshop at. And um, to make a long story short, we started this organization, which is now called the Sacred Inclusion Network. And... Um, my background is, uh, you know, I have some similarities with Cindy's. I, I've done a lot of uh, coaching, organizational development kind of work. Um, spiritually, I don't have the have the, the bandwidth that Cindy has. Uh, I have a lifelong um, fascination with um, um, <clears throat> Asian cultures. I live in mm. Japan in a Japanese dojo, and um, we, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But um, that's kind of my entry point into the world world of improvisation and spirituality. Hmm. 
And you're in Philadelphia. You're you're back east. Not I'm in east. I'm in east. A little town called Lambertville, New Jersey, where we dance just as good as we want. And and you've grown up as a member of multiple cultures at the same time. I have, I have, as we all have, but sometimes it's maybe not as uh, obvious. Yeah, have in a very obvious way and in a very rich way. And I think your own spiritual explorations have been very, very multiple and deep also, which is interesting to me that you're kind, but I, I'm not I'm not in your league. So, so I actually have a question about that. Um, and and welcome, the... Angelo. Oh, thank yes. you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Skipping over that welcome. Welcome both of you. I'm like so ready to dive in. Um, what what were your, like spirituality has taken a, cent, a central place for both of you in, in the work that you do now, it, it seems, at least in, in this context. And I wonder what place it had for you growing up. Like was, were you raised in a religious household? Were there conversations around spirituality? Was there, what was the it sounds like you had this formative experience, Cindy, at age 23, when you had this Kundalini awakening that told you some, showed you something about yourself and your belief in the world. But yeah, I wonder if both of you can talk about that, what your upbringing was like in this in this. Context. Angela, you first this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in a in a household where religion was not a, was not a thing, mm -hmm. except for my parents as. Um, middle-class African-Americans that wanted me to go to a better school. So they sent me to Catholic school. Mm -hmm. um, and um, somewhere in there, I became an agnostic. I was very intellectual as a young 15-year-old, reading Bertrand Russell and people like that. And um, I guess to kind of like do some sort of equivalence with Cindy, um, at one point, I, I kind of, um, I realized that I heard an inner voice, an inner, inner sound, I'll call it. Um, and I always wanted to figure out what that was about, you know, and as a result of that, um, I did lots of interesting explorations. So it's not, it's not tinnitus, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's like an inner sound that I can hear. I can just hear it all the time if I want, but I can use it as a kind of an access point when I meditate. Mm -hmm. How's that, Lisa? What is it? What does it sound like? Can you describe it? Gosh. You, do I try to put words to it? Is it Aretha Franklin? <laughs> I, I would love to hear the answer to that too. Well, it's it's kind of hard to articulate. I'm trying to tune into it now. It sounds. This is not going to be exact, but it sounds a little bit like the wind, mm -hmm. a little bit like a like a, a sort of a bell sound. It's like constant sound. It doesn't undulate that much, uh, although it can. And what I've read, there's people that talk about different levels of consciousness with whatever sound that you hear but i don't have that experience so i i, I don't know i just I, all i know is that I know, all i know is what i hear so if i'm hearing an ongoing sound of like rush limbaugh <laughs> i might suggest a certain level that's fascinating i, I love that i love that both of you describe this sensory experience yes reality and one is a sound and one is a physical you feel it in your body that's like really interesting I'd love to know, Angelo, when you hear that sound, does a kind of state or experience open up? Well, I hear it all the time um, without without any kind of effort. So, um, you know, I would like to tell you that it corresponds to some, you know, deep spirit, spirit of peace mm -hmm. and all that. I will, I can say, however, was when I don't hear it or when I'm not listening to it or pay attention to it, I feel totally lost. Mm -hmm. I can say that, you know. 
So but I'm, I'm just as screwed up as anybody else. So I don't want, I don't want to give any misconceptions. Right. Well, I just love this idea that you have a sensory experience of an, of, of sort of an anchor or a compass that when you touch it, when you, when you remind yourself to get access to it, you, there's a, a ground, some grounding in, yeah. in available. That's really. Well, I, you know, I'm, was, yeah, I'm sorry. I was listening to a podcast today with, um, what's her name? With, um, with, um, Shinzen Young who's a Buddhist teacher, Buddhist-oriented meditation teacher. What's it with Shinten? And he was, when he was, when he was giving his introduction, actually, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm mixing podcasts, but whoever it was, was saying, you know, start with um, with your breath, which is what usually people do when they talk about um, mindfulness practice or whatever. But at the end of the, the podcast, um, the person said, well, if that doesn't work for you, um, try a sound or a feeling, you know, the, the warmth in your hand or something. But it's simple. It's nice to have some kind of, um, I'll, I'll call it, place where you go. A variety of entry points. Lisa, you were saying on the last episode, and an episode we did long ago, uh, that for you, mindfulness anyway, has a lot to do with listening. And yeah. I've heard you say before, a lot of your experience of spirituality has to do with that, tuning into what is, uh, forgive me if I'm getting the words wrong, but what is the universe speaking to you or suggesting or that sort of thing right yeah 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 in a very uh it's sort of like in a discovery in a receptive discovery mentality of like oh i wonder you know and in improv we talk about how there are offer everything's an offer there are offers everywhere offers are being made by your partners but also by the universe and you can choose to take them and you can choose how you respond to them and improv would suggest that you accept them <laughs> and, so, and, and build on them. And so uh, I, yeah, mindfulness and meditation or meditation practice became more accessible thinking about, thinking about it as, as listening for what's there mm -hmm. rather than doing anything. Uh, well, I guess listening is doing something, but it's more about getting out of the way and noticing what's there than it is about focusing or concentrating or you know it's sort of easier than that and i'm so reminded uh, as we're talking of quaker practice and i spent mm, let's see 21 to 30 32 ages 21 to age 32 I've, I've, most of my spiritual focus was in the quaker community where it's about listening for the for spirit moving through you or speaking through you and you go worship together with other people and sit in a room of 80 people and everybody's being quiet everybody's listening and then maybe somebody stands up and says something and then sits back down and gets quiet again mm. and the whole notion is listening and that they would run their business meetings that way i was always so fascinated by that there's something so different in that it's quite egalitarian but so different in that mode than in let me tell you what is true about spirit and you know coming from that angle but I, I want to make sure we get to this question with you Cindy like what what I, I, growing up growing up for you what was I can answer that but can I just say one thing on this previous topic oh sure which is I love that and I very much think it's a connection of improv and spirituality this uh listening and then dropping into deeper and deeper listening and then doing mm -hmm. it with each other and building a feel that comes from deeper listening and then moving from that listening more than from any predetermined mind. I think it's a yeah. very magical and healing and beautiful space. And I think playfulness and depth is very much there. 
And there's a quote from St. Teresa that I used to love where uh, somebody was asking about prayer, her prayer practice. And she said, well, in the beginning when I would pray to God, I would be talking to God. And then she said, then I stopped talking and I started just going quiet. I just sit quietly. And then I started listening. <laughs> and so she's sitting there listening to God. And the person said, well, what is God doing when then? I think the implication was, what does he say? But it was like, and, and, and she said, oh, he's also listening. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. And I love those spaces where, oh, now we're really listening. Hmm. We're hearing ourselves, we're hearing each other, and we're hearing these deeper layers of sound that are very subtle inside of both. It's quite magical. Yeah. And the practice that, that Angela was describing is actually one of the traditional Indian practices too. It's called Laya Yoga, and those sounds are called Nada, divine sounds and all of that. Um, so it's beautiful that we grew up spontaneously with all of these experiences, I think, mm. exquisite. And amazing how even without being part of a culture, we we go outside the boundaries of the culture we were born into sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started at Catholic school too, Angelo. <laughs> and look where I am now. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> So Cindy, what was your what was your background? What was your what was your childhood relationship to spirituality? Well, I uh, so I, I grew up in a family. My my sort of ethnic background is Basque. So there's the kind of substrate of of uh, uptightness in that, and kind of yeah. ethical concern in that, strong ethical concern and wanting to be a good citizen and all of that. My dad, when you would actually ask him what he felt about it, he would say, I don't think he said this to me when we were a child. My parents sent me to a, a brick church school who taught us stuff that neither of them believed in. <laughs> My dad's point of view is, he would say, he said two things. One is, I don't believe in God because if he exists, he's a sadist. Mm. How could an all-powerful being allow this suffering in the world? And he also said, I think the main thing spiritual religion does is teach people to hate themselves. And I really don't think it's a great thing. <laughs> hmm. Amazing that he sent you to a religious school. No, no, he, he sent me to, it was a, on a Sunday we would go. And it was just our parents didn't want us to be completely ignorant. Oh, I see. Okay, great. Uh, Got it. But my mom, she liked kind of sacred stones and old stones and and she had friends who were meditators and things. And I think as a child, I had some strange experiences, which I now think are have some connection to spirituality. But I also think I wanted, because my dad had a tendency to pretty profound depression, although he was an incredibly kind and lovely person. Um, mm. Not that those are opposites. But I wanted him to have a God who loved him. Because mm. I thought if... If he felt God loved him, he wouldn't want to kill himself. He would mm. not feel that he would feel uh, in a court that had reprieved him. Mm. Um, so that was my background in relation to spirituality. Wow. So does that mean that you 
It, does that mean that you sort of chose to believe in a benevolent loving God or that you sort of built one for yourself or you talked about that with your dad or like, what did, what did that mean? I wanted him to have a loving God. Uh, what did that give you? Well, did that mean actually, that you had one? That, that, so, so first I started studying psychology um, and then I, I, I got into meditation because I thought it would help me see the mind. And then when I felt this deeper layer of love, then, but I think there was a part of me that was looking for a loving container for everything. Um, That's lovely, yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's beautiful and poignant. I mean, like the hearing about your parents having such um, different passions, but like your father's resistance and yet his depression, right? Like for a lot of people, religion provides that support network, whether it's the gods providing the support or the community providing the support. But, you know, if we, if we don't take on religion and we don't take on someone else's beliefs, how do we generate them for ourselves in a way that provides that support that we need to get through the dissociation or alienation that we come up against in life, the suffering, as we'd say in as Buddhism would say, right? How do you handle that? Um, that's poignant. I'm really curious, and thank you for sharing that, mm -hmm. about how, given that the three of us, Angelo, Cindy, and I, uh, are going to be leading this retreat in March, this Yes to Life, Improvisation and Spirituality Weekend, how in your mind does this spirituality stuff connect to improvisation how or why like what's the reason to put them together or to to put the two put the two cousins in in place and say go ahead play cousins what's 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 your sense of that and how did you discover it like what was the yeah. what was the thing that caught you about it that made you think that maybe this was uh... well I've, I've been at this a while i've been trying trying to get to it for a while uh, what happened was a couple of years ago i went to um, i was in london not London, but um, Oxford, and I was with the, there was an annual conference, and the people that did the, um, sort of the icebreakers were improvisers. And, um, you know, we got to the talking, and um, to make a long story short, um, we talked about the similarities between uh, sort of the aim, aims of, I'll call mindfulness, and the aims of, um, of improvisation, you know. Um, and so, just to, to, laser, to laser in on your question, um, one of the things I've been thinking about is like, what is the distinction between, we can all say, we can all agree that um, in mindfulness people are trying to be um, calm or something. And we can all agree that um, in both cases, there's a thing about being present to what is, but there's, there's, a, there's like a subtle um, kind of thing that improvisation brings, which I don't see in traditional mindfulness practice. And I have to be careful because it's a, it's a kind of a, a wide range of things. And one is, um, this thing about play and community, you know, um, to talk to kind of what you were talking, Lisa, about, um, you know, how um, when you're in improv, uh, maybe I'm paraphrasing, um, you're reacting to what's going on. You know, that, in, in, that implies mm -hmm. that there's a community involved and there's something about community that um, informs you, and helps mm -hmm. you figure out what's going on, uh, shall we say. Whereas... Generally, when people talk about um, spiritual practice, um, they talk about something that's mm -hmm. much more introverted. 
can talk about something that's just mm -hmm. themselves. And the community aspect is kind of um, missing. And again, it's a, that's a generalization. Um, but um, so the, the thing about play and community, are, I think, are the, are the, the things which help mindfulness, mm -hmm. I'll call it, right? Um, anyway, that, that, that is it, mm. that, that's cool. it for me. I love that. There is this, this image of somebody meditating on, alone on the top of a mountain, right? It's like... Serious. So serious, serious, so serious. And, and alone and quiet and you go away and you get, you know, yeah. and, and improvisation is like, it's collaborative at its core. Like it happens with, it happens in the space between people. Yeah. I, I think yeah. a lot of that comes out of when Eastern religions came to the West that they got influenced by the West. And so like the West's notion of individualism and like, let's go shopping at the buffet of spiritual traditions. I'll take a little bit of that, you know, I'll take that chime and this mantra and, you know, this robe and put them together and I'll just do my own thing. That that individualism has really influenced those practices. And But you think of Buddha, like going off into the woods and sitting under a tree. Well, and then he came back though. But the story, yeah, like the story that is like the most, you know, like, that's the image. I, I just feel like, and maybe that is a Western interpretation. Like maybe the West has sort of chosen what it thinks is most compelling or something. But Well, the Desert Fathers did that too. I mean, I, I think it's really true that you have in, in religion these extremes of extreme uh, enclosing yourself into yourself and just burrowing down. But also you have a great community. So, for example, and I do think that the aliveness of a community, I also think humor has to be in it. Mm -hmm. I think if it's, I had a, a man who I, uh, Joseph Chilton Pierce, he was a fantastic man. Anyway, he, he used to say, that he had um, been inoculated against religion because he'd been he'd received a dead virus of it as a kid. Mm. So if you get it as just dead words with no experience or feeling in it, he said it inoculates you and you become allergic to it. You you don't let it in. But if you're in a, a living, if like if it's a live culture, mm. you know. So for example, in an ashram, everybody's chanting together, everyone's meditating together, everybody's working together. I have a friend from my uh, Indian community who recently had a stroke. There are 400 and something people who gave to her GoFundMe page and people are visiting her around the clock. So there's a strong um, community part. And But I do agree. I mean, so I very much agree with, with Angelo's pull there for this uh, inter bringing it um, into relationship yeah. and and the element of humor being part of what keeps it alive and vibrant hmm. because humor is something that dissolves um, rigid structures or rigid thinking and rigid thinking is one of the blocks to dropping into spirit you know we, we drop into our concepts and then we fight each other it doesn't really <laughs> lead to something very beautiful and vibrant and alive. Wow, that's lovely. Mm. We drop into our concepts and then we fight each other. Yeah, so why not yeah. learn to drop underneath our concepts? It's like underneath all those waves of 
turbulence. And I think this is something Angela and I have had in common or what drew me to Angelo and his work, which is has been extraordinary example of this is his is the seeking to connect across difference mm -hmm. and underneath the, the parts of difference where people can bounce bounce off each other because they stay with that the superficial level of who you are if you go into the deeper levels you find in the substrate so much connection mm -hmm. um, and even angelo i would say Angelo's done a process of dialogue, which is very similar to a Quaker, where you get together and and drop in and start sharing from these different layers of yourself. What your, uh, you know, what, what was your upbringing? What was your culture? How did people react to you based on stereotypic things? And how does that feel for you? And, and um, so I think it's a, beautiful, playful extension of some of the things that he has been creating with what, what you mm -hmm. call the diversity and spirituality network. So it's what you to work with him and now with you guys. Yeah, just one thing I want to add, um, you know, a lot of a lot of what we're talking about, or part of what we're talking about is community, how do we create community? And uh, we're in, in my mind, we're entering uh, and I don't think I don't think Cindy will agree with this, but I think we're entering an a religious age. You know, um, most of the people that I know are not churchgoers. They don't they don't belong to um, a specific church. One of the things that churches and religions do really well is they create community, you know. So um, I think a lot of I, I think it's very important to create community. I'm trying to create community all the time, but I don't I don't see see that, you know, I have I'm not going to go to the Unitarian Universalist Church. Maybe I'll go once a year or something. And a lot of the people I know are in that same sort of boat, you know. So, um, anyhow, that's just one little mm -hmm. thing I wanted to add. I, it's so exciting to me to hear you both talk about this because I can hear your expertise and your depth of thinking and maybe more importantly, your depth of experience with these notions. And, you know, the, our getting together to do this retreat is a bit of a wild card because we haven't had the chance to work together and teach together yet. And so I'm really excited to see what comes out of all this experience and all this difference of approach and, and that it's going to have, um, you know, that live quality that you were describing, Cindy, partly because we're going to surprise each other and the participants will surprise us and everybody's going to be taking part in this unfolding experience. And of course we'll bring, we'll bring exercises and notions, but that it's going to be this, this emergent, experience as we go and so i'm really i'm getting i'm getting even more excited about as we're talking and we're excited to work with you uh, mm. as as, as yeah. our senior member of taking these kinds of explorations into the container of improv which is where your deep expertise lies um, along with the spiritual piece and that's something that draws angela and me because that particular practice uh, feels very, very appealing and less less in our DNA. So hmm. it'll be fun to cross-fertilize in that way. Yeah. And Lisa, Ted, uh, he, he doesn't want to hear this, but I, I consider him one of the, like, the founders of the mindfulness improvisation mm -hmm. thing. You know, it's everywhere mm -hmm. now. And um, um, 
I tell him, and I, I promote this, I don't know whether it's really true or not, <laughs> but I think he's really one of the, he's one of the first voices that, that, that yeah. saw the connection. Yeah. Well, and, okay, Angelo, if, if I'm going to allow part of that to come in, I'm going to at least say that Lisa's one of those voices, too. Yeah. Well, okay, well, I, did, I knew that. Yeah, I, right, right. I know, and I'm thinking we should, we should have had a, a, a four-people thing instead of a three-people mm. doing well, well, we can work on recruiting Lisa. She might actually have that weekend free. I haven't, we haven't checked on that. But, no, but it, the, yeah, a lot of the, um, the seeds of this podcast were us having our interests and align and, and the, sorry. well, yeah. And, and that we, we each had some expertise, but interest in the other's expertise as well and experience with it. And so it's like, well, let's just get together and talk about it. And through our conversations, it's now been almost four years of doing this, that wow. it feels like that. I hesitate to use the word expertise, but knowing or familiarity with, or, um, exploration. exploration. I mean, like we've had some a chance to make a thorough exploration. Yeah, and so we're sort of reaping the benefits of that now, and yeah. and that you know the podcast has reached different pockets of people, and different things that we've written at different times have reached different people. So it definitely is. There are more folks interested in this now than there were five years ago. Mm -hmm. I have, I have a question for you guys. You know, I think of improv, we've been talking a lot about playfulness, which is to me uh, very, all of the most beautiful spiritual teachers I know have playfulness as part of their qualities. Mm. It's part of this live culture as opposed to the dead, dead virus thing. And I'm curious whether for you, there's also um, within improv, uh, different moods, like there could be a, a very playful mood and then other moods that would arise uh, organically and how you work with that if you work with that. Hmm. Oh, this one tees up for Lisa Rowland very nicely. <laughs> uh, no, I, so I, I hope she mentions, mentions Improv Playhouse of San Francisco. <laughs> so... The, so it's interesting that the content that ends up, oh, we'll see if this gets to your question, but the, it, the content that can arise in improvisation, in my experience, can really run the gamut of poignant, sweet, sad, anger, funny, there's, there's anything. When we're looking to create improvised theater, our, the product can be, be anything theater, anything human experience can be. So that's cool. And Improv Playhouse of San Francisco is a group that I'm a part of that does improvised three act plays. And so it has a real opportunity. It's very character driven and very relationship driven. And usually there are moments of poignancy, sweetness, sadness, anger. So other, other feelings other than just sort of like buoyancy and, and joyfulness. However, the I would still say that the whole thing is built on a foundation of playfulness. We show up to play mm -hmm. together. And that's, mm -hmm. that's how we talk about it is like, oh, who's playing that night? I'm excited to play with you tonight. The, the whole thing is play and play can look a lot of ways. So the fact that we're playing together and it's resulting in a sad moment, we're still agreeing to play. Like there's this baseline or backdrop or baseline, yeah. the, the, 
the name of the process we're doing to result in these moments is play. Mm. You know, so even when it doesn't sound or feel like puppies playing, right? Like that sort of like just rolling and rollicking and, and joyful freewheelingness, the, the, the process is still play. And I would say that there are, this is where um, <laughs> maybe my curmudgeonly side or, or snobby side sometimes comes in because there are a <laughs> lot of uh, improv groups or improv schools or improv approaches that don't cultivate that depth that Lisa's talking about. They do sort of stay in the wacky hijinks, play, high energy, let's make the audience laugh kind of mode, which can be delightful. But, you know, the analogy that uh, I often hear or often use is that of you know, eating candy. It's like, yeah, it's sweet and it's fun. And it's like, great. But then you're like, well, but am I satisfied? Uh, and then it's this other, these other realms that make me leave a show feeling like, oh, man, that was friggin' great. And I love slapstick, or I love a totally goofy scene where, you know, Lisa and Rebecca Paretsky, another player at Bats, did a scene this weekend where we were playing with the new lights at Bats Improv, and there was one spotlight at a time, and they kind of each were angling to be the focus, and, and a spotlight would appear to the left, and the, one of them would run over there and start talking, and then the spotlight would appear to the right, and and they just had this... It was it wasn't particularly profound. It was really, really funny, and they were both kind of clowning with it. So I love that too, but it's like if it's the only dish on the menu, it kind of gets old quickly. And so I love, I love it when people can take the improvisation and apply it to this wider range of experience, and then it becomes super, super delicious. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would... I was wondering it because a, a part of another kind of experience that this reminds me of is some of the kind of healing experiences, which are based on opening to a field like mm -hmm. psychodrama, or I think it's the more known one or constellation work where people go in and feel the field. And, um, and I, I love, I love the space that's created when many different flavors are allowed um, because I think in some churches, quote unquote, play isn't allowed. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be in a space where only play was allowed um, also because if you really open to the energy of the field, uh, I think different things can arise. Yes. My, one of my, my original teacher, his autobiography was called Play of Consciousness. Hmm. I think there's a feeling in um, Indian spirituality, at least, that the universe is a play. Mm -hmm. I love that as, the, as like the, the frame that, that includes all the other frames. But I'd rather let different energies move through if they do. Mm -hmm. Because saying yes to me, yes to life being the theme, mm -hmm. I would love that yes to include whatever arises and, and it, whatever's there at yeah. different faces yeah. at different moments as it does. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, that leads me to a, to a next question. We're sort of um, coming to a time where we need to at least start thinking about wrapping up here. But um, I'm curious about what you're most excited about with this retreat coming up to experience or to share. And then maybe a little bit comes out of that. Like what would a participant 
expect to get out of this or what, you know, what are they going to see or experience or draw from being there? I'll start. Um, well, one of the things that I know a little bit about, um, I don't know a lot about improvisation. I know I'm learning more, uh, but I do know about spontaneous movement. And, um, you know, that's something which I got into when I was in my oriental phase, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm, I'm envisioning a morning session where people, instead of just doing sitting meditation, they do spontaneous movement. That's something that I could bring to something. Mm. I think it helped might loosen people up a little bit. And I like doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. Awesome. How about you, Cindy? I'm excited about the things we've been talking about. I'm excited about uh, experiencing you, Ted, in this context and being able to throw some of the vegetables that I have into the soup pot. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, throw them at me. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Here's a tomato. Working on some, working on really letting those tomatoes sit. Oh, there you go. They would be mushy because they'd be in the soup. Right. But, um, yeah, and I, I think I've, I've talked to Ted about uh, this uh, wonderful uh, teacher and friend of mine, Stephen Gilligan, who has these exercises which open up these inner spaces that, I think would play very well with improv, just little pieces that I have. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also interested in seeing what emerges. Mm -hmm. And in terms of what I hope people get from it, I hope that they enter with permission, offering themselves permission to bring an intention for an expansion of, of allowing that listening and responding mm -hmm to reveal whatever it does and to say, it's all good. Hmm. It's like that. Yes. It's a, you know, for, for us to be uh, collectively seeing what, how do we expand by saying yes to ourselves and each other moment to moment. Hmm. And what's important for me about practicing this experience with unknown and surprising people and knowing that I'm bringing something to this and that the more fully I can bring what I bring, the more rich what I emerge from it will be. Lovely. So I have to say, I'm very excited. Just I look forward to hearing about this. I won't be there, but I look forward to hearing about it because of the depth and variety of, of all of your experiences. Like you're saying, you bring your vegetables and you throw it in the pot. And I know that Ted, I mean, I know in my own life, it's like any conversation I'm in usually involves the phrase for me, oh, it's like an improv. <laughs> like everything gets, all roads lead back to improv. For me, there's just so many resonances between what we do on stage in this laboratory of, of interpersonal interaction and play and response that, that sort of feeds out. And I just imagine all of you will be jamming on that all weekend long. Mm -hmm. like. Oh, it's like this this experience that I had or this metaphor or this way to think about this or this reminds me of this exercise that I did and let me show it to you. And this feels like it has a parallel in this practice that I've done. It's all very exciting. I think that that'll be very, really crackling. Mm -hmm. I think it'll crack. That's a hope. I, and I think it's funny you use the word crackling, Lisa, because for me, one of the things that I'm going to love about this weekend is a chance to be in place with people doing this kind of exploration. And so mm -hmm. for us to be in a beautiful place that's got some trails and 
a fire pit and you know to share meals together it's like there's something about that concentration of being on the land and being together in a circle and sharing an experience together that brings this community that we were talking about or this shared discovery that I can't get to on my own and, and that other person can't get to on their own. So we come together, we choose to be together and see what shows up, you know, and everybody's a leader, everybody's a follower and here we go. You know, that's going to be really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Right on. Well, I wonder if there are any words of valediction or benediction or some other form of action that you want to uh, toss in before we bring this to a close. I just like the idea of individual exploration in the context of community. You know, that, that's what I was mm. thinking when I was listening to you and Cindy. Mm. That's nice. I, I, the word that would come up for me is if we think everything will be a blessing, it will be. Hmm. If we think that we can say yes to it and it will reveal something beautiful or meaningful or exciting or fun to us, how can we expect that and through our expectation call it into being? Mm. That would be my thought. Lovely. Lisa, any other thoughts from you? No, I, lo I just I love the exploration. I'm excited to hear about how it goes. I and I love the focus on play and community that, that this work has to be done in in or is is well done in shared space. Mm. That's very yeah. Right on. Well, Angelo and Cindy, thank you so much for taking your time and spending with us. And uh, I'm more jazzed about this. And hopefully we get the word out to more people and get a nice robust circle of participants. But uh, Lisa and I will give the details in the in the outro about how people can sign up. But it's been a pleasure to spend the morning with you and uh, to have this conversation. So thanks yes. for coming on. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you yeah. so much. And thank you to meet you, Lisa. Yeah, great to meet you as well. Thank you. <laughs> All righty. Welcome back, Lisa. Nice to have you across the table. Hey, yeah. Good to be back. That was awesome. That was really cool. That was so nice. I like those people so much. Are they sweet? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to work with them. They're like more than sweet, though. I was like really inspired by, yeah, just the depth of, of depth. experience. And I love uh, or her, their, both of their experience of this visceral, this visceral experience of spirituality for both of them was really interesting for me. Yeah. The word depth kept... I just kept bubbling up for me of like, oh, these people know this stuff and they live this stuff and have so much to share. What cool and, guides, what cool yeah. guides to, yeah, be involved in, in the conversation. And I love the words that she was using, that Cindy was using, especially around permission and, and exploration and the drive that Angelo expressed around community and doing yeah. this with people. It's just, yeah, all, all very inspiring. Cool. Well, I appreciate your generosity in taking some time, making some space. I mean, oh, it's yeah. totally right along in line with our podcast, but right. I think that... It was uh, fun to meet those guys. Yeah, I'm psyched to share this with you, Monster Baby listeners, because my hope is that some of you will join us and come on along for the ride, because it would or be so great you, to have you. some of you know somebody who might want to join it. Or that too, right. Yeah, yeah. you've got a better sense of what we're going to do. So if you are interested... Come on over, come on over to playfulmindfulness.info. The 
retreat is up at the top of that page. And, and what are the dates, click on the link. if we were to tell them now? March 13th to the 15th. Great. So it's a Friday evening to Sunday afternoon. Cool. And it's up in Healdsburg at Bishop's, Bishop's Ranch. Oh, so beautiful. Which is a gorgeous place. And uh, I was looking at photos this week. And yeah, it's going to be special. So, uh, And the people who are already signed up are really cool people. So you'll get to hang out with some some great folks. So come on over. We just would, would be a total treat to have you with us. Very cool. And then before we let you go, remember that we... Yeah. Uh, last episode, we left you with a question that we didn't get to this episode. So we'll do it next episode. Yeah, this was sort of a special event guest episode. But that question was, what hooked you about either the discipline of improvisation or mindfulness or the combination of them both? Yeah. What did you experience that, that brought you back for a second time or made you want more of it? What was the thing that got you? So if you've got a response to that, send an email to info at monsterbabypodcast.com or even better... Send us an audio file that way. Yeah, we love voice memos. <laughs> and okay. then we'll, we'll put you on the podcast. Yeah. So. Awesome. Anything else you want to uh, let people know about? I don't think so. Okay. We're rolling right along. Continue with a happy new year. If you uh, love the podcast, go over to iTunes or wherever you listen and write a review for us. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. And um, if you want to hear more, if you want to read more about what we're about, check out Playful Mindfulness, the book. It's still less than a year old. It's a little fledgling out there in the world. And uh, you are talking to one of the movement's founders. Oh, hey, Ted de Maison. Two of them. It's our, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, thank you for joining us. As always, it's a great treat to have you with us. And yeah. um, we'll catch you next time. Okay. Be well. Ciao.